Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. The Sex Spiral will teach you God's design for sexuality, the triggers that lead to porn addiction, and how to exit the sex spiral with a purity plan for your life. You can order online at Amazon.com or any other retailer. Hey, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. The Dustin Daniels Show. Unashamedly proclaiming God's purity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Devoted to saving marriages. Dedicated to protecting children. Addressing sex with biblical truth and without shock value. You're listening to the intersection of life and lust. Call toll-free at 1-855-5-DUSTIN. And now, here's your host, Purity Pastor Dustin Daniels. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Do what the Lord wants, and He will give you your heart's desire. Whenever I hear that word desire, the first thing I think of is Bono and the boys of the rock band U2. Desire. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it for you. I've been asked to not even sing in the shower anymore, but this this desire tends to be, hmm, not so godly in me, not so healthy in me. And for the first 30 years of my life, I just simply, I just gave into those desires with little or no thought. I just did it. But after meeting Jesus, <laughs> after meeting Jesus, there was this strange new tension, this struggle, this yearning, and especially when it came to sex. Have you felt like your own desires are, they're just sideways? Like this longing in your heart is just bent. It's just twisted. Is it really possible that Psalm 37, 4 could be true in your life? That Almighty God wants to fill your heart with this godly desire that you didn't even know you had. Christopher West is a renowned educator and best-selling author who specializes in making Pope John Paul II's theology of the body accessible to a wide audience. You may have seen Christopher on Fox News, ABC News, MSNBC, and more. And today we are continuing our discussion on Christopher's latest book. It's titled, Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. Christopher, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Dustin. Great to be back. Last week, we discussed your new book from an overview perspective. And, and this week, we want to kind of dive into what you call the three gospels of sexuality. We've got the starvation diet, we've got the fast food gospel, and then we've got the banquet. And let, let's start with the starvation diet gospel. What exactly is that? Well, let me demonstrate it by asking all the listeners out there a question. Uh, how many of you would say that in your Christian upbringing, if you had a Christian upbringing, 
there was open, honest, normal, healthy conversation about God's glorious, stupendous, wonderful plan for erotic desire. Everyone raise your hand. <laughs> of course, I can't see I'm, anybody I'm not, out there. I'm not seeing many, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there aren't too many hands going up there. And Dustin, I have asked hundreds of thousands of people this question over the years in my live presentations, and I get about a 1% response. Wow. So let, let's just put this in context. As we were saying in the last program, erotic longing is not a base, lustful desire. That's how sin has distorted it. But in the beginning, God put this hunger in our heart, a hunger that the Greeks called eros. And ultimately, it's our hunger and yearning for infinite love. And there's only one word that really describes infinite love. It's called God. So eros, at its deepest desire, is a yearning for God. I think Augustine of Hippo said it best. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until we rest in you. That restlessness, that yearning, that hunger, that longing is what defines us as human beings. The fathers of the Church called that hunger the kapak dei, the capacity for God. And the tragedy, tragedy, is that most of us grow up, and when it comes to this most fundamental hunger in our humanity, we're given a starvation diet. We hear next to nothing. And this is why we get swept away by the culture's message, what I call the fast food gospel. The culture promises us this immediate gratification for our hunger. And think about it. If it's a contest between the starvation diet and the fast food, who wins? That's the fast food. I'll take uh, supersize me, baby. We're going to have to eat something. (laughs) But, my brother, you and I know if the contest is between the banquet that Jesus invites us to and the fast food, who wins? Oh, it's the banquet, hands down. The banquet. The banquet. See, the fast food is so attractive because it's a mockery. A mockery. Let's be very clear here. The fast food is a mockery of the fulfillment that God has in store for us. And here we get to a a basic biblical principle that is so important and we often forget, and I summarize it as follows. We have to realize, Dustin, that the devil does not have his own clay. All the devil can do is take God's clay, and remember, God looked at everything he made and said, Behold, it is very good. 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 very good. Everything God made, our sexuality, our bodies, our desires, as God made them in the beginning, before sin messed it up, God looked at it all and said, Behold, it's very good. All the devil can do is take that very good clay and twist it, distort it. The devil does not have his own evil world. The body is not evil. The body and our sexuality, yes, it's been twisted and distorted by sin, but the good news of the gospel is that Christ came into the world took on a body to redeem our bodies. As you're speaking, I I grew up on this starvation diet gospel. And I I just learned, I guess, that this idea of eros and sex and erotic and and, and all that is the enemy of holiness. Do you you find that in the church itself? Yes, it's. The idea is rampant, and there's a truth in it. Let's be very clear, but we have to be careful in our, in our language and in the way we talk about it. It's the distortion of sex. It's the twisting of sex. It's mm. the, the, the corruption of sex 
that is an enemy of holiness. But in the beginning, let's remember Jesus' words, in the beginning it was not so. Right? Remember the scene where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they question him about divorce? And he says, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your heart. In other words, Moses couldn't solve the problem of original sin. Then Jesus says, but in the beginning it was not so. In other words, there was an original, beautiful, wonderful plan of God for the body and sexuality. And remember, in the beginning before sin, they were naked and felt no shame. And the reason they felt no shame is because they saw in their naked bodies the glory of God revealed. They saw this call to holy communion, and they understood the plan of love that God stamped in their bodies. This is what we lost with original sin. With original sin, we went blind. With original sin, to use a biblical image, we ran out of wine. What does that mean? Of course, wine in Scripture, Dustin, is a symbol of God's love poured out for us. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, before sin, they were drunk. They were intoxicated on God's wine, on God's love. And this is the love that flowed out of them towards one another. That's why they were naked without shame. But with original sin, what happened? They run out of wine. Their sexuality loses that ability to love in the image of God. But what's the good news of the gospel, my brother? Where does Jesus perform his first miracle? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. That, that wedding is such a beautiful picture, and you explain it so well. He comes to this wedding. This first miracle, before he heals the sick, before he casts out the demons, before the servant on the mount, the first thing Jesus does is he comes to a wedding where the couples run out of wine, not to condemn the couple, but to restore the wine in super abundance. Do you know what the goal of the Christian life is from this perspective, my brother? Amen. It's to get drunk on God's wine, to get totally sloshed. What did they accuse the apostles of on Pentecost Day when the Holy Spirit, the love of God, fell on them? What did they say? You guys it, it, are? It was, it was 8 a.m., 9 a.m., they were drunk. They were drunk. They were drunk. If no one's ever accused you of being drunk before, then maybe you aren't alive with the new wine of Cana. And maybe that's our problem. So talk about this banquet. How do we redirect this, these desires that we have? And uh, you do a beautiful job of explaining what this banquet is in uh, yeah. Revelation. Well, well, we basically have three choices with our desire, as I outline in this book, Fill These Hearts. Three choices. Here they are. We will either become a stoic, an addict, or, in the Christian sense of the word, a mystic. What do I mean here? Let's go back to St. Augustine when he says, that you have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until we rest in you. That means this desire in us is for something infinite. We, we confuse Christianity with stoicism so often, where we think we have to repress our desires. No, 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 no. We don't need to repress our desires. We need to direct them towards the infinite. A stoic is someone who's afraid of desire, represses desire. An addict, on the other hand, is someone who takes his desire for the infinite to something finite. Now, now think about that for a minute. Here we have a theological definition of addiction, taking our desire for God to something less than God. If we are created for the infinite, 
and we go to something finite to try to satisfy. Does it satisfy? Nope. So what do we think we need? We need more of it. We need more of it. So we go and we get more of it. Does it satisfy yet? No, no, not so at all. So what do we think we need? We need more of it. We need more of it. So we go and we get more. Does it satisfy yet, Dustin? After 20 years of doing exactly that, Christopher, no. It, it just leads to depression and and suicidal thoughts and isolation. That's what it leads to. That's what, brother, and your life and mine are a testimony to this truth. When we take our desire for the infinite to something finite, we don't become fulfilled. We become addicted to the pleasures of this world, and it leads just to what you said. But here's the good news of the gospel. The solution to addiction is not stoicism. You don't want to go from being an addict to a stoic. You want to go from being an addict to a mystic. And a mystic, in the Christian sense of the term, is someone who's learning how to direct his desire for infinity toward infinity. A Christian mystic is someone who has the Christian virtue of hope. And what is hope? Hope, in the Christian sense of the word, is the certainty that our desires will one day be fulfilled in the marriage of the Lamb. A Christian mystic is someone who understands what I'm created for is God. And then all the pleasures of this world are no longer seen as something evil. They're seen as something that's a sign and a foreshadowing of eternity. And so in my book, I talk about the three different Gospels, and each of them have a, a pleasure principle, I say. So the starvation diet, I say, the pleasure principle of the starvation diet is this. Pleasure is an evil to reject. The fast food says pleasure is an idol to indulge. But the banquet gospel recognizes that pleasure is an icon that's meant to point us to heaven. Who created food to be so pleasurable? God created did. Absolutely. God did. Who created sex to be so pleasurable? That same God. That same God. Why did he do it? When we embrace these pleasures in the right way, in the right order, as God intends, then all these pleasures are no longer a source of addiction for us and sin. They're not an occasion of sin. They become an occasion of grace. They become a foretaste of the joy that awaits us in eternity. I mean, think about it, Dustin. Why did the Pharisees accuse Jesus of being a drunkard and a glutton? Because he didn't want, he wasn't hanging out with them. He didn't want to hang, they did not want to understand hanging out with sinners, that it was the, that's the whole reason that he came. And why did he hang out with the sinners? And he must have, he must have enjoyed drinking and he must have enjoyed food in a, in a way that the Pharisees couldn't understand. Right. Because the Pharisees only had two options, the stoic repression or, or that addictive indulgence. And if you're enjoying food as much as Jesus did, you must be a glutton. Right. If you're enjoying wine as much as Jesus did, you must be a drunkard. No. Jesus is the mystic of all mystics. Jesus created all these pleasures. He knew what they were for to point us to heaven. Today on the show, and, Christopher West, author of Fill These Hearts, a brand new book. It's called God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. You can learn more about Christopher at thecoreproject.com. That's C-O-R project.com. So, so Christopher... How do we take these, these desires that are so sideways and turn them vertical to, to Almighty God? You tell this wonderful story about this guy who sent you an email, and he finally got real about yeah. his desire, about this, 
Victoria's Secret. I don't, I don't know exactly what it was, but he, he was very, very real with you. Can you share that story with us? Yes. Yeah, so I, I got this email from a guy, just as you're saying, saying, all right, Christopher, this all sounds great, directing your desires to God, but for crying out loud, what do I do when I'm tempted by this Victoria's Secret commercial? And I said, first of all, be honest with God. Be honest with God. Don't put on a pious mask when you pray. Don't go to God and say, I got my act together, I got it all together, and I love you, God, and I don't have any problem. No, 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 no. Go to God naked in your desire and say, God, this is what I desire. This is what I'm attracted to. And say, God, please show me how this is only a sign of something far greater. Show me how the beauty of the human body, or whatever the pleasure is, food or drink or or money or power, whatever it is, say, Lord, show me how in the right order of things this is meant to lead me to you. And as we enter into prayer, deep prayer, we experience the Holy Spirit coming into those desires and redirecting things. See, the father of the, the fathers of the Church tell us that prayer is nothing but becoming a longing for God. Prayer is learning how to redirect our desires for the infinite, toward the infinite. But we got to let God get under our hoods, so to speak. I think oftentimes, Dustin, we kind of think of life in Christ as kind of a a drive-through car wash, Hmm. where he just kind of cleans us on the outside. No, 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 no. We got to let Jesus get into the interior of our vehicle and, and get that vacuum hose and suck out all the grime and old french fries between the seats. we got to let them <laughs> under, the, under the floor mats where all the rubble and leaves, old leaves are. We gotta, he wants to get into those vents with a Q-tip. He wants to cleanse us thoroughly. This is so important that we let him in to what, what's really going on in our hearts, because if we don't, we'll end up like the Pharisee, whitewashed tombs, mm. clean on the outside, but inside full of dead men's bones. Jesus wants access to our hearts. He already knows what really goes on in there. We can't fool him. So we got to let him in. we got to let the Spirit into those dark places in our lives to cleanse us, to heal us, to redirect us. It's a long journey, but it's absolutely critical. And for those, for those folks that are listening, Christopher, and, and I think of 1 John 5, 3, his commandments are not burdensome. And, it and is these, for freedom that he set us free. That's right. So how how do we how do we encourage the the guys and the and the ladies and the families that are dealing with all of these sexual intimacy, lust, pornographic issues in their life? How do we encourage them to be honest with themselves, to get connected, yes. to pick up your yes. book? to engage the Church? How do, how do we do that uh, with both grace and truth? Well, first, a word of hope. I think oftentimes we hide these addictions in our lives, and we put on these pious masks because we're afraid uh, of being condemned. We're afraid of other Christians just wagging fingers at us and scolding us. And yes, you will get that scolding from people who subscribe to the starvation diet. You will get that scolding from the Pharisees in the Church but you will not get that scolding from authentic Christians. And and get this, what do we learn in the gospel? When the banquet showed up, that is Jesus, who was the first to come running? Was it the Pharisees and the religious do-gooders, or was it the prostitutes and the sinners? Yeah. 
And why is this? Because the addicts, if you will, they are closer to being a mystic than the Stoics are. Why? Because at least they're in touch with their desires. They're taking their desire to the wrong place, but at least they're in touch with their desire. That's why when the banquet shows up, the addicts are the first ones to say, that's what I've been looking for the whole time. <laughs> that's right. And so first, a word of hope. Listen to this from, from Augustine of Hippo. He put it this way. He said, those who are lost in their passions are less lost than those who have lost their passions. Mm. How about that? Now, let's be clear. They're both lost, right? You can die of starvation on the one hand, and you can die of food poisoning on the other. Mm. But at least those who are going to the fast food, they're in touch with their desires. So a word of affirmation to anyone out there addicted to pornography, to anyone out there with sexual addiction, I want to speak a word into your heart first of affirmation and hope that the deepest desire of your heart, it's been misguided, you've been misled, but the deepest desire of your heart is still there. It's still intact. And it's a desire for God. And you know in your heart of hearts that going to pornography is not satisfying your deepest yearning. And Christ comes into these places in our hearts, not with condemnation. Dustin, as you know and I know, he comes into these places of our hearts with redemption, with healing, with tenderness, with mercy. And let's talk about that word mercy for a moment. I think as Christians, we, we often don't get or understand mercy. And if we don't get and understand mercy, then we don't get Christianity. We don't get Jesus. The Latin word for mercy is misericordia. And it means, get this, it means a heart which gives itself to those in misery. And so the first step here of the Christian journey is to recognize our misery. And to recognize that our misery does not repulse God. Our misery attracts his heart to us. Amen. Amen. I grew up thinking, Dustin, that the misery in my life just repulsed God. And so, fine, I, I must repulse God, so why would I want anything to do with him? No, 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 no. That's not God. That is not God. Jesus Christ comes with mercy into all of our desires. Think as of a biblical example here, the woman at the well. This woman comes to the well because she's thirsty, and Jesus encounters her, and he knows that she's been taking her thirst to all of these imperfect lovers. And so he says, go get your husband. Well, I, I, I don't have a husband, she says. I, Jesus says, I know. You've been with five guys in the past, and the guy you're with now is not your husband. So what's going on here? She was with six men. Six is the imperfect biblical number. Justin, what's the perfect biblical number? Seven. And Seven. who's her seventh lover? Jesus Christ. Jesus! Gee, do you see what's going on at the woman at the well? She encounters her true bridegroom. She encounters the, the, the living water that she had been thirsting for the whole time. Jesus does not condemn her. He says to her, If you knew the gift that I wanted to give you, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give it to you and it would well up in you to eternal life. And so my name is Christopher. It means Christ-bearer. And I want to say to everyone out there who's listening to this show right now, Jesus knows the desire of your heart. And if you knew the gift that he wanted to give you, 
you would stop chasing after all these imperfect lovers, six or six hundred, whatever they've been, and you would bring all the desires of your heart, you would bring all that thirst of your soul to number seven, Jesus, the true lover. Today on the show, Christopher West, author of Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. Hey, let's give away a couple of his books. one 855 dustin I'll take callers six and seven. And my prayer is that you will embrace this theology of the body. Visit Christopher West at thecoreproject.com. And let's always remember what God's Word says. The kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk. It's living in God's power. I love you. The Dustin Daniels Radio Show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the station is engaged in rendering counseling advice for your personal situation. If you need further help, we encourage you to seek the services of a Christ-based counseling professional. For more information on the radio show, visit DustinDanielsRadio.com.